0: If you know me for any length of time, you'll know that among the many things I enjoy, I enjoy history. Yes, one of my favorite cable channels is the History Channel. Just, I just enjoy looking back and learning. It's really what history is supposed to do. Today is October 31st, 2021. And most in our nation will be looking to this day to reenact a celebration that involves dressing up in costumes and consuming way too much sugar. (laughs) Way too much. But today I want to look back at a different thing that happened on October 31st. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. My subject this morning is faith alone. Halloween as an annual ritual didn't really begin in the United States until 1920 but I want to go back today to October 31st, the year 1517, 504 years ago. I'm going to go out on a limb. None of you were there. (laughs) The town is Wittenberg, Germany, and the place is the front steps of the Wittenberg Castle Church. And standing in front of the church door is a young Augustine monk with a bunch of pieces of paper in his hand, a hammer and nails. The paper, or the papers that he had, had 95 challenges or complaints that he had with the church of that day. He cited various abuses, he cited various heresies, and he figured the best way was to get the church's attention was to nail these complaints to the church door. Let me take a break here from that and say... If you ever have a complaint with me, don't nail them to the front door. Please come talk to me. I promise I'll listen. First of all, that front door was and Ours is aluminum. Good luck nailing anything to that front door. The man's name was Martin Luther. And what he started, what he did, became later known as the Protestant Reformation. The church then was not just a religious or faith organization. In that time, for at least a century before, up until the Reformation, the church in Rome was a mighty and powerful political force. It exerted tremendous influence throughout Europe. Every major monarchy in Europe wanted the approval of Rome before they sat on their own individual thrones. That power generated corruption. It generated abuse. And Martin could not reconcile the abuses and what was being approved by the church with what he read in the scriptures. Now, there were many abuses. But the one that kind of tipped the scales for Marty, I'll call him, was the selling of indulgences that was the biggest one basically what it was was when people would sin you would go to a local member of the clergy or a priest and you would seek forgiveness what they were doing was seeking forgiveness before they would sin kind of a plan thing and that just drove him crazy But it wasn't just the individual thing. What Martin Luther began to see is that so much in the church, as far as being accepted, as far as your faith being validated, was becoming a place of works. You had to prove you were a Christian, and you had to prove it in ways that specifically benefited the church. If the church approved, you could call yourself a Christian. If you did the right things and in the right way, you could call yourself a Christian. And since most of the things that were done the right way involved a monetary contribution, if you gave enough, you were a Christian or could call yourself one. And if you supported the right things, basically those things that were supported by Rome, you could call yourself a Christian. If you regularly received the sacraments, you could call yourself a Christian. If you basically did the good works that the church recognized as good works, you could call yourself a Christian. Sadly, that church back then in 1517 must have forgotten that Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 were in the Bible. Because, church, you are saved by the grace of God. Not by works, not by giving, by the grace of Almighty God. You're given life by the grace of God. You're sustained each and every day by the grace of God. You and I flourish in his power by the grace of God. Your prayers are heard by the grace of God. And thank the Lord, our prayers are answered by the grace of Almighty God. And oh yeah, you're saved by the grace of God. And the only part we play in this relationship is to accept this grace by faith. By faith. It needs to be received as a gift. You can't earn it. You will never, ever be worthy of it. You will never be able to work hard enough or long enough. Even after serving him for a lifetime, when we get to the end of our days and people gather to Give us a celebration of life because we passed on. We're in heaven, not because of what we did, not because of how long we served, but by the grace of almighty God. That's why we call it his amazing grace. Our part is faith. Martin Luther couldn't reconcile what was going on around him and what he saw in the scriptures. He wrote in his various diaries and journals, there were two passages that just God illuminated to him and he began a whole movement. One was the passage we read in Ephesians 2.8. The other one is in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for anyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. God's righteousness is by faith, not because we're good enough. We are justified before him because he said so. He did the work on Calvary. He died for our sins. We are justified by faith. This gospel is the power of God to salvation by faith. We don't trust in legacies or history for salvation. We don't trust in nations. As much as we love our country, my salvation is not in being an American citizen. My salvation is being a citizen of the kingdom of Almighty God. We don't trust in nations for salvation, we don't trust in organizations for salvation. I am a proud member of the Church of God denomination. I give it my allegiance, but I am not saved. I am not going to be able to stand before God one day and say, Hey, you got to let me in. I'm Church of God. That's not going to work. His blood has been applied to my life. That is why I am saved. Our trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone, by faith alone. And in him alone. And the thing is Luther had experience. He tried to do it by faith. As part of the order that he joined. He would fast for weeks. Most of us can't get from lunch to dinner. He joined one of the most restrictive monasteries of his day. He gave up studying to be a lawyer. Which would have been a lucrative occupation back then just to find peace with God. He would, as part of his ritual within the order he was in, he would regularly beat his own body to try and beat it into submission. He would sleep outside during cold German nights with no blankets, no covering, just a thin robe, just to prove his worthiness before God. And he wrote, him trying to prove his worthiness to God and gain God's favor almost killed him. And the same thing can happen to us today. You're worthy before God because Jesus said so. God, you are loved before God because Jesus said so. He was distraught in his inability to earn God's favor by works. He was disgusted with the excess he saw in the various decor of different things. While the poor went unattended. He was dismayed that all other church leaders seemed to be okay with various things that were going on. And he would write, then one day, something he had read many, many times just hit him. Do you ever have that experience? You've read the Bible so often, and then a verse just kind of knocks you over. And he read Romans 1, verses 16, 17. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that the just live by faith luther was so overjoyed and so empowered that he wanted to share his revelations with the entire church and again i might have advised him of a different course of action than a nail pieces of paper and a hammer although if his job if his goal his mission was to get the attention of the roman church mission was accomplished He was brought up on charges and almost executed for this. But what was ringing in his heart was that this relationship with God, the blessings that we receive, they are by faith alone. By faith alone. Works only have meaning when they are done by faith and we need to understand it to some it's going to sound like semantics but it's not we believe in doing good works the bible says we were created for good works but good works only have meaning if they're done within the context within the foundation of a faith that understands you're not doing works to gain god's favor you're doing good works because you already have god's favor Giving only has meaning when it's done by faith. If you think giving this church a million dollars is going to get you to heaven, you are mistaken. Now let me be clear. If you want to give this church a million dollars, we'll probably accept it. But that, you know, definitely, yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to argue with you. But that is not your ticket to heaven. Jesus didn't die on a cross so that you would still need to pay money to get before his father. Participating in the church's life only matters when it's done by faith. Now, if you attend this church for any length of time, you will notice this is not a place of fancy frills and a lot of decor and things like that not promoting a lot of attire. We come fairly casually. And there's no issue with doing things in a different way. I've been to churches where the, there was essentially a dress code, where the guys wore jackets and ties and, and the finest that they had, and the ladies were always adorned in dresses and these massive hats that if you came within five feet of them, you were going to get knocked over. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. I just don't want, for me and my perspective, I don't want anything we see with our eyes to get in the way of us coming together and seeing Jesus. That's where I land on this. Church should be a place where we worship God. It should never be a fashion show. Church should be a place where we seek his face, not a place where we show each other our status in life. Fancy clothes aren't going to please him. Faith catches his attention. Resumes of years of service aren't going to catch his attention. It needs to be done in faith. Most of you know the verse from Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It is faith that gains his attention. Now we need to be busy for the Lord. There's much to do in his service, but there is a motivation that must spring up from within each of us that generates the activities we do. It's not well, because God will be mad at me if I don't do this. God loves you, church. He loves you. Does he get mad at us sometimes? Of course he does. Why? Because he loves you. Because he cares. This was why last week I preached about the freedom we have in Christ, and I defined freedom. Because I knew I was coming here today. Now, Last week, to make the old-time Pentecostals happy, I did mention that we need to not let the liberty we have in Christ turn into license. That would be out of balance, and Paul talks about that. We don't let our, um, our liberty, our freedom, become a stumbling block in our brother or sister's way. But we also don't let our liberty and our desire for God's best turn into legalism. Church should be a place where people come to get set free, not get set into a different code than than that's under the world's code. Because how many know out in the world there is a code of conduct that people get put up against? You have to believe a certain way or walk a certain way or talk a certain way or vote a certain way or believe a certain way in order to be able to gain acceptance. When you come into the people of God, it's by faith alone. We are set free here, free to serve him. Free to worship him. Bottom line, we're free to love him. We are free and I believe we lose the emphasis on this sometimes, we're free to practice being like him. You do know this Christian life takes practice. I I read a story once about the final home game by New York Yankee great Derek Jeter. It was a wonderful game, and it ended in poetic historic faction with him getting a game-winning hit that won the game in the bottom of the ninth inning. He played 18 years, was a superstar in every sense of the word. And yet, the day before his final game, you know what he did? He came to practice. You would have thought someone who's been doing something for 18 years wouldn't have to practice anymore. But he understood practice is not something you just do at the beginning of a journey. It's something you do every step of the journey. You and I will be practicing how to let the fruit of the Spirit come out of our lives until the day Jesus calls us home. I firmly believe that today's church needs to embrace some of Luther's lessons. It's not about what cause we support, although there are causes worthy of being supported. It's not about where we live. It's not about how we look. It's not about what political party we follow. It's not about what country we're in. It's about Jesus and faith alone. All of these things have their places. And as I said, the Bible has much to say. That you and I were created for good works. So when God saved you, he had a whole list of things already lined up for you and me. The Bible teaches that we are to stand against evil things and take a stand. And the Bible proclaims that unlike what our culture teaches, that there is right and wrong. There is an absolute right and there is an absolute wrong. It's not something that's subject to opinion polls. It's not something that's subject to the latest survey. There is a right and a wrong. But when it comes to salvation, it's not because you stand on the Various social issues of the day, or stand against them. When it comes to salvation, it's not because of how much you've given in an offering to this church or any other church. When it comes to salvation, it's not based on your voting record. When it comes to salvation, it's not because of what cause you march for. When it comes to salvation, is what did you do with Jesus? And Luther just couldn't take what was going on, and he basically raised this rallying cry that in latin which was the, the language of the church back then he went around from that moment forward and just saying to everybody who would listen sola fide which is latin for faith alone faith alone now we do need to have balance because james was clear faith without works is dead I'm all about balance. But we need to understand where the balance starts. It doesn't start with works. It doesn't start with church attendance. It doesn't start with the words you say, at least not to me. It starts with the words you say to Jesus. Faith alone. Martin Luther, from that moment forward, lived a life that was very similar to the one the apostle paul lived he was tried and since the roman church had so much political power in any kingdom in which he was tried he would have been subject to the death penalty and he wrote and it's kind of cute the way he put it somehow i survived i know how (laughs) by faith and by the grace of god There were other reformers at that time who took a stand against a works-based faith system. Doing faith, coming to God because of your worthiness. John Calvin is one of them. In a century after that, there would be a British reformer who took the mantle up called John Wesley who we in the church of God owe so much to it, so much a part of it, because he was able to combine not just being faith alone, but that God not only imparts righteousness to us, but he brought up the rallying cry of holiness. And how many know we need to be holy before God? But today what's spurring in my heart, as I'm sure there'll be, many, many children knocking on my door looking for sugar is another thing that can be commemorated on the 31st of October. And that's a man by the name of Martin Luther who said, but when I come to Jesus, it's by faith alone. Jesus accepts me by faith alone. Jesus died for me. He did the work so that by faith alone, I could have acceptance beyond the veil. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what your life has been like. We all have some similarities in what life has been like in the last 18 to 24 months. And I do feel at times that the American church has gotten caught up in a works classification. How much do you do? Do you do certain things? Church, it's by faith alone. There will be no resumes submitted when you stand before Jesus one day. The only resume that will be needed is his son's resume. And his resume is ironclad. He died for you. He suffered for you. He was beaten and tortured for you. And he rose for you. He rose so that you and I could have a power to overcome scorpions and devils. He rose so that you and I could have a power to be truly more than conquerors. He rose so that you and I could be able to say with tremendous confidence, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He rose so that you and I could live today not as survivors, not as people just getting by, but as true victory conquerors in Jesus. And all of it is by faith alone. Faith alone. But pastor, doesn't, doesn't having a mindset of faith alone leads to sloppy living? I guess it could. See, the thing is, though, to, to, to try and correct that, By then moving the needle in any way toward works, that's not the gospel. It just isn't. But it'll make better sense for people. I learned a long time ago that God wrote a pretty good book. I'm not about to revise it. I'm not about to retell it. I'm not about to turn it into something else. And I look at history, especially church history, because I'm able to see like in people like Martin Luther and others that they understood even centuries ago coming to Jesus, having a life that follows Jesus, standing firm in Jesus is by faith alone. We believe in doing good works. We believe in being an example to all those around us. We believe in turning away from evil. And we can do all of those things and not have them be works and not have them be of the flesh because Jesus came into our lives and we accepted him by faith alone. By faith alone. That moment, for those of us that have been saved a long time, try to remember that moment when you first came to Jesus. In that moment, you had done nothing. No church attendance, no giving of anything in an offering, no ministry. All you had was the blood of Jesus and you. And in that moment, it was faith alone. Faith alone. May we never, ever raise the gospel above anything other than faith alone. I today feel especially thankful to my brother Marty. I don't know, I just like calling him Marty. <laughs> I'm sure no one in 1517 called him Marty. Yo, Luther man. No, that probably didn't work either. The just shall live by faith. That phrase started a revolution. Let it start one in our hearts and our churches today as well. Stand with me, please.